Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, I hope your Thursday is off to a good start here, and so glad to have you along for this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and if you ended up watching old cartoons when you were younger, the ones that featured Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, the rest of the, that cast of those characters, do you remember those cartoons as being Looney Tunes, or do you remember them being Merry Melodies? In those opening few seconds, when it would start up, you'd see those concentric red circles, and that name would it, it'd pop up there. Which one do you remember, Looney Tunes or Merry Melodies? Well, according to the vast knowledge out there on the internet, after the early 1940s, there was no real difference between the two. Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, they were both were used pretty much arbitrarily at the beginning of those short little cartoons that featured Bugs Bunny and the rest of the gang. I remember as a kid, those cartoons were pretty violent. I didn't think about it at the time, you know, but different cartoon characters, they were falling off of cliffs, they were blowing each other up with TNT, they'd drop anvils on each other, all kinds of things. And I really didn't pay much attention to it. But at some point during, it was somewhere in the mid-1990s, parents and politicians, this started becoming more and more of an issue violence that was happening in cartoons and it went beyond cartoons there was violence in video games violence in movies that were geared towards kids and even now i look at some of the violence and like i say didn't think about it as a kid but i realized wow that that was way more dangerous than i thought at the time uh, take for instance that popular christmas movie home alone that first came out in 1990 and i didn't think much of it at all when it first came out but you know they there are all those traps that that main character of kevin McAllister he sets up around his house to outwit two thieves i was actually never a big fan of that movie i knew lots of people who loved it um it just never was a big thing for me but the violence when i saw it in it and those two burglars they fall prey to all the various booby traps i just kind of considered it more on the slapstick side of things rather than any sort of, you know, have some solid basis in reality. Uh, I will acknowledge that, even though I do still kind of consider it slapstick, those two thieves, the things that they have happened to them, they should have wound up in the hospital very quickly, if not, you know, those things just outright killing them. But at the climax of that movie, the violence, it ends up being presented in this fun and this adventuresome kind of way. And little Kevin, he's planned out everything. Right? He has a map of his house, and he sets up all of these different things to try and protect himself and protect his home. 
Once he knew that he was going to be the target of a robbery, he worked in numerous ways to try and repel that oncoming theft of his home. He took the time to consider all the ways that the burglars might come into his house and how he could fight them off. And I think that right there is a great lesson for our spiritual journey, our spiritual lives. In Home Alone, although Kevin didn't know exactly how the two robbers would try and get into his house, he knew they were coming. Well, similar for us, since we are followers of Jesus, if we are striving to grow in holiness, if we're trying to avoid sin, if we're trying to live out the commandments of God, it is a certainty that we will face some sort of spiritual attacks at some point in our life. But going back to the movie, can you imagine how badly things would have ended for Kevin if he knew those two thieves were coming, but he didn't make any plans? If he just waited, maybe tried to wing it once they got there. Yeah, the, the only reason that he has any success is because he takes that time to plan ahead. So for us, if we as Jesus's disciples, if we know that we're going to come up against battles in our spiritual life, well, you can imagine how badly those battles might end if we don't take the time to prepare. But if we do prepare, then we can have the hope that we might wind up victorious. And that all sounds good, right? But it raises a big question. How do we prepare ourselves for those moments of spiritual battle? How can we ready ourselves for those moments of spiritual warfare? Well, this is what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life. And joining us is our spiritual director, Father Vincent Druding is back with us once again. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of New York. He's the parochial vicar at uh, Holy Cross Catholic Church in the Bronx there in New York. Father Druding, welcome back to The Inner Life today. So glad to have you back with us. Thanks very much, Josh. Good to be here. Well, and as we start off, I mentioned we want to be prepared, but... I think it's really important at the outset of this hour that we have the right understanding of what we mean by being prepared. You know, it's, it might be that we get this idea of, okay, what can I do? What, what do I need to get myself ready? And this goes back to a theme that we continually talk about here on The Inner Life, that we need to get the focus off of what I can do, and I need to look at how can I rely on Christ? Because if we try and do this on our own, we're only going to fail. The only hope of success in spiritual warfare is complete reliance, complete dependence on Christ, his power, his strength. Um, so that might be a good place for us to start, Father. Yeah, no, uh, well put. Well put. <clears throat> yeah, basic truth of spiritual life. Um, you know, Jesus says, uh, without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's striking. Some of the lines of Jesus are just, it, just strikingly impressive. And that's one of them. We can do nothing. But um, he does say that um, all things are possible. <laughs> In me and with him, all things are possible. So <clears throat> I think that's a good starting point, which is um, radical and ultimate dependence on Christ. I begin every day um, after the Angelus saying this prayer, Come, Holy Spirit, and possess me. Possess my intellect, my will, my memory, my understanding, my intuition. May I decrease so that you may increase. May you destroy any plan I have today that is not of the Father's will, so that it is only you who live and move and breathe and have your being in me. So that's, that's a prayer I pray every day. I Just a simple little prayer I put together, and I, I hand it out. I, made it, I put it on a card, and I give it to um, you know uh, people who, who come for meetings or hand it out to, to groups and things like that. And I pray throughout the day, and I really believe in that prayer, um, because precisely 
as you said, um, when we're radically dependent on Christ. And, and if we can sort of seek the goal that St. Paul talks about when he says, you know, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, um, then, you know, what we, what we read in Philippians 4.13 could be true, you know, that <clears throat> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and that includes overcoming temptation, includes the victory in the spiritual life, <clears throat> it includes getting up when we fall down after sinning and being tempted, and includes having awareness and alertness of how we are being attacked um, and having the prudence to handle it. Well, and not just for humans, because one of the uh, things that I, I, I don't know how many years ago, I mean, probably 20, 25, 30 years ago, I remember stumbling across this short little verse, and it's in a very short book of the Bible. It's the letter of St. Jude. And even with what he writes, he has this quick sentence that he says, the archangel Michael, when he argued with the devil in a dispute over the body of Moses, he did not venture to pronounce a reviling judgment upon him, upon Satan, but said, may the Lord rebuke you. And so, again, not only for us as human creatures, but if St. Michael the Archangel, this powerful angelic creature who is leading this battle, this this you know spiritual war um, with the angels of heaven against the fallen angels, if St. Michael doesn't want to go toe-to-toe with Satan but relies on the power of Jesus, that should be a pretty clear indication for us of how we should behave as well. True. <clears throat> True enough. I mean, you know, uh, and and that was sort of a, a great difference. You know, his name, who is like God, you know. When we try to make ourselves into gods <clears throat> and decide for ourselves what's right and wrong, you know, the fatal flaw of Adam and Eve, and that's that's the source of original sin. Whereas <clears throat> when we seek to follow the Lord, According to his way in his gospel, um, we find that we're victorious, you know, and, and so um, precisely um, the angels, and in fact, you know, in the spiritual realm, uh, the, in the angelic world and the fallen angelic world, so that's the, the demonic world, um, they have an absolute understanding of hierarchy and authority, and um, and in the end, there will be obedience to authority. I mean, on the angelic world, it's perfect obedience. Um, the demonic world. There's been radical disobedience, um, but in the end, when the Lord speaks in 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 the authority of Christ, and I'm going to maybe get into that a little later about how we as as Christians, those who are baptized into the the priesthood of Jesus Christ, you share the the priesthood of the faithful. So when the priest anoints the head of the baptized of the one to be baptized or one who has been baptized, he says, "I now anoint you, um, priest, prophet, and king." So that is to say, the authority of Christ over the, over the enemy and over demons is absolute. Um, and, and we can get into why people, then why do they sometimes suffer prolonged oppressions? And there's there's good reason for that. But nevertheless, in the end, and, and absolutely, there's an authority. However, what a lot of Catholics, I think, lack is formation and understanding that they share, by virtue of their baptism, in the authority of Christ the priest. And that's not the ministerial priesthood of the ordained priests, but the minist- but the authority of Christ the priest is in them by their baptism. And I think a lot of Catholics are kind of like kids who get beat up by bullies because they've not learned to access the authority that they have inside of them by virtue of their baptism. Now, certainly, you know, they've got to be trying to seek and strive to live a life of grace and, and get out of a life of sin, that's no doubt. But even those that, let's say, are seeking and striving to live a life of grace but still suffer onslaughts of the enemy and temptation, the world of flesh and the devil, um, a lot of times I think people do not access what's already in them by virtue of their baptism. And so when souls come to me, you know, for or people come in, you know, for guidance, 
you know, often to, to work in the area of, you know, liberation and, and healing, I'll teach them this simple little formula, um, which goes like this. By the authority of my baptism in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I command you, Satan and you spirits, and then they can name what they're being attacked by. Could it be pride, anger, lust, um, and, and any other spirits that, that may be, you know, penetrating or, or bothering or accessing them. Um, I, they, you can say that formula over yourself. By the authority of my baptism of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I command you, Satan, and you, Spirit of pride, to get out and to go back to the foot of the cross. And then do an invocation of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, free me and heal me and fill me. And then go on with other prayers, such as invoking the intercession of Our Lady and St. Michael and the saints. But I think fundamentally that's a very important piece that uh, I'm finding a lot of Catholics have never been told, never been taught, never been informed. And I understand. I don't blame them for that. But at the same time, for those that are listening, um, try using that. Next time you're under a, like a severe temptation or you feel like you're being, you know, you're having thoughts that just are disturbing to you, you don't even want, use your baptismal authority, that little formula. By the authority of my baptism, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I command you, you spirit of, of anger, get out and go to the foot of the cross, etc. It's It's really effective. Well, that's what I was going to ask. What have been the impact then in those that you have counseled to use this to try and fight those areas where they're being tempted, where they have those, you know, the, the, the struggle in their life, where they might have that, that spiritual warfare going on? What have you seen happen with people when they do, as you say, that accessing the authority of Christ? What, what happens for them? Well, a couple of things. I mean, one, it's it, they. I, I try to teach those who come here to gain confidence in Christ. I mean, Saint Paul had an absolute confidence in Jesus Christ. That's why he was fearless. That's why he, there was no fear. It didn't matter what he suffered: shipwreck, f- flagellation, stoning, <laughs> left for dead, and, and, and he gave glory. You know, and so um, at all things we conquer. So one of the things I, I see in a lot of people who've been, let's just you know, spiritually beat up by themselves, by their own sin. They, they've caused self-harm through a life of habitual sin. They've been victims of, of some um, oppression or violence by by people in life or by bullying or just by sadness and the darkness of loss, uh, by past traumas, or whatever the situation may be. Um, a lot of people in this lack that confidence in Christ because they've been so hurt in, in various ways. So part of what I'm doing and teaching them is not just like a formula to be recited, but a, but to teach them an attitude of confidence in Christ and confidence of Christ in them. And once they habituate that, that becomes a habit of mind and a habit of soul, um, I, I see that they get on a firmer ground. And I should locate this in the context. I mean, it's one thing to teach them the confidence in Christ in that formula, but the first thing, you know, the, the baseline need in anybody who feels, you know, is, is in the spiritual battle is first, you know, my is to live a life of grace. So to be a, to frequent the sacraments. Many people I see who suffer some kind of oppressions, right? Now whether they're, you know, it's it's in and, and I'm I treat people holistically in the sense of like, okay, let's take a look at your physical situation, your mental, psychological, emotional situation, and then of course, you know, I'll sort of hone in on the spiritual, but we're an integrated person, so obviously they're they're sure. all connected, but we've got to kind of address it in, in every way. So I, I try to help people kind of take, analyze where they are on all those areas and to try to live healthy lives in all those areas. But so obviously I'm going to focus more on the spiritual as a priest. So, you know, my basic formula for them is, listen, you got to live a life of grace and, and frequent the sacraments. Many people that come <clears throat> with their oppressions 
often they've been they've been detached from the life of the sacrament. So it, it sometimes it's not it's not real intricate the the solution. Sometimes just getting back to the basics, you know, frequently receiving confession, frequently receiving communion, and then you know doing some kind of a holy hour each day, whether it's a half hour and a half hour of or with mental prayer, with a daily rosary, um, and you know with the chaplet. Uh, making examination of conscience, and then like a little bit of mortification, you know. So, so often many oppressions lift just by getting back to the basics. So that's that. That's I want to make sure that I, I lead with that. That's the context. Yeah. And then on top of that, then I'll say, okay, well, fine. You know, people work to get back to that. What other aspects? So to answer your question in the end, um, once they're 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 really trying to strive for life of grace, and then using that formula, I find to be effective in the moment of temptation, and it is effective not only in warding off Satan and, and a demonic aspect of the temptation, but there's also the flesh aspect and the worldly aspect, but at least the demonic aspect. It, it has immediate, uh, immediate relief, but also in, in, in incarnating in them an attitude of confidence in Christ. Hmm. Well, and as you say that, you know, you, you kind of started off that there's almost this shift in a mindset and mm-hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it almost sounds as if you're saying that as you're dealing with people, there might be the statement that they come to you and say, well, yeah, of course I'm Catholic. Of course I believe in Christ. I, you know, I, I want to trust him and all of that. But it's almost like they have to say, not only do I say it, but I really truly do believe it, that that mindset shift has to say, we're not just going to say the words but we're going to live this out in such a way that if you don't rely on Christ, um, you know, what's the point of, of trying to fight this spiritual battle? Cause you'll just lose in the end. Well, hundred percent. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'll meet people where they are. Some people might be timid and have a disposition of a sort of um, a little bit of a weakness or shyness, or um, they lack confidence in themselves and, and in God as well. Others, you know, you know, then the spectrum of, you know, overconfidence and pride. So then everything in between. So I'll meet the person where they are, but um, absolutely, the, the prayer, when it's said with conviction and true, tr- and absolute, conviction is the key. It's the key. I mean, think a lot, think of the healings in, in, in the Gospels. The people that came were like desperate, like, Jesus, heal me. Like, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, like, just say the word. And so, but I, I think sometimes we're just, you know, it, it can be easy to fall into just kind of a routine and just utterances rather than deep, heartfelt conviction. The Lord is moved by the conviction of the heart. He's moved, and sometimes, whether it's tears, and, and I tell people, sometimes we have to just, you know, let your heart out. Like, if sometimes we, people in, in their solitude can scream to God, you know, like, scream it out. Like, let your heart out, and, and, and it's okay. God can take that, you know. But I think conviction in prayer is critical to our healing and liberation. I mean, in fact... Those that are possessed, <clears throat> excuse me, those that suffer, you know, the, the worst is, you know, of the spiritual affliction is possession, but they're very rare. It still happens. But, you know, the, I would say 99% of people that, you know, that, that, that I see that come with some kind of a 
concern about a, a, a spiritual oppression. It's an oppression. It's an, a, what we call oppression or obsession, which oppression has you know physical aspects in which their lives and relationships are affected. Obsession would mean in the faculty of the imagination that there's you know disturbing thoughts and um, you know intrusive images and thoughts. Um, and then of course every single person is going to be subject at some point to demonic temptation. That's just the nature of of the spiritual life. Um, you know we have sometimes temptations that are you know the threefold um, enemies of God and man, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But there will be the devil and demonic temptations. However, I I just think as as followers of Christ, once you get to know Him. Um, there's got to be a like <clears throat> our prayer said with conviction and true faith can I think is more valuable than you know half-hearted prayers that last an hour and so <clears throat> really to cry the heart disposition of heart is key mm, absolutely well, our spiritual you know, director just, go ahead well, no, oh sorry go ahead well, I was just going to say the, the the point I was leading with that and I wanted to wrap up with there on that piece was um, those that are possessed eventually to be freed. The the priest will do the, the the ritual of exorcism, the major rite, and there'll be intercessors and everything. But really, for them to be free, they've got to they they actually themselves. It's like a self exorcism. They themselves have to tell the thing, get out. Like, but with convi- like like, like mm-hmm. I'm saying it there with conviction, and they, and they have to use their authority because the the demon is a trespasser. The body was given, um, it belongs to the person and belongs to God at baptism. So they 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 let it in or it got in for whatever reasons but then eventually they have to like literally like a, an intruder entering a home as you were talking about Kevin but this let's say the intruder got in the home then they, they've got to actually like drive that thing you know participate in the process with deep conviction say get out and if that's true of the possessed person then the oppressed the the person suffering obsession or demonic temptation can have that same attitude of conviction telling it get out yeah mm-hmm. Our spiritual director is Father Vincent Druding. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of New York, the parochial vicar of Holy Cross Catholic Church in the Bronx. And today, talking about spiritual warfare, how we can prepare ourselves for the, those moments where we do have those spiritual attacks, and how have you prepared yourself for those moments where you are under spiritual attack. Maybe you have a question about readying yourself, about how you can stay strong in Christ, how you can grow in that conviction, access that authority of Christ that Father Vincent is talking about, and you can call in and speak with him at 888 is the number. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation here in just a moment right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by Solidarity HealthShare, the first to offer comprehensive sharing for prescription medications. Check now to see how much you can save. Go to catholichealthshare.com. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you along with us today as we are talking about spiritual warfare how we can prepare ourselves for that, how we can rely on Christ. And we're also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, as we're talking with our spiritual director, Father Vincent Druding, a priest in the Archdiocese of New York. And uh, Father, a lot of different areas we could go into here as we were talking before the break. Um, 
One of the things that I think might be good to just talk about practically, though, is, you know, we have kind of this, well, I, I think, well-formed idea of here's how we want to be in the end. But we have to kind of identify those areas where Satan can attack us. And if we go back to kind of that, that idea of that house and home alone, Kevin, he knew all of the potential entry points where those attacks might come at him. And so for us in the spiritual life, how do you think we identify those possible entry points in ourselves where those spiritual attacks can begin? Great question. And, you know, good analogy that that you laid out at the beginning about, you know, if the home is, is the person and, uh, and the enemy is seeking any, any which way to get in, uh, you know, part of it is shoring up all the entry points, which, you know, sometimes I commonly refer to as like open doors. What are the open doors or windows? So, um, and I think probably to say at the beginning, it's really important to have a spiritual director or somebody outside of yourself to see that because we we're, we have blind spots. So I think first thing is to, to rely on somebody. And I know not everybody listening might have access to a priest as a spiritual director. Um, that would be ideal so that, you know, you can also receive direction in the context of confession. But if you don't have the blessing to have a priest as a, as a spiritual director, um, I would advise everybody listening to find somebody who's a little further advanced in the spiritual life through whom they can actually just have fellowship as a brother or sister in Christ. Um, and hopefully somebody who's a consecrated or somebody who's, who's pretty serious. Why is that important? Because, you know, from the outside, um, looking in at somebody, you have, especially if somebody's pure-hearted and, and is guided by the Holy Spirit, you know, they can help people identify their own weaknesses and the open doors by the very nature of living inside of ourselves we can't see it all because uh, we're on the inside and and so sometimes there's gaping holes or big gaps that we're not even aware of or we haven't seen or blinded to or the enemy can blind us to actually because <laughs> um, he's, he's clever like that um, so i think it's just important to, to recognize the humility of the need for another person outside of us to help walk with us in this process of the spiritual battle so that's one um, and then now when we talk about those that suffer some kind of uh, demonic oppression, and it might be helpful just to say, you know, any kind of block in the spiritual life, any kind of heaviness, any kind of um, restriction or somebody feels restrained, they don't feel free, and, and they just can't break out of either it's a bad habit or a sinful behavior or just a series of events in their life that seem to just be oppressing them. Um and so they might say, you know, I'm, I think it's something more than just me. Is there could there be a, you know, an, a spiritual element to this? So we'll come in and we'll talk. And then are your typical entry points in which uh, a demon can actually have influence. And I should just probably preface this to say, um, demons can access or influence the body, the imagination, the emotions, and the memory. They can't enter the soul. Even a person fully possessed, their soul is protected from demonic. So the the obsession um, is on the body and some of its faculties. Now, the brain is part of the body, so um, it can exit. So the demons cannot control the will or control thoughts. The, the intellect and the will remain free, even under the worst of conditions of temptation or oppression or even possession. So I think that's important to mention. That's different from when a person is, like, say, manifesting in the midst of uh, possession. I don't think today is to get into that, um, but I just wanted to state that at the beginning so that people recognize that those faculties of, of ourselves can be under influence of the enemy. Um, and so we want to be aware of that and then be willing to, to battle back. Now, 
commonly when I when I work with people that have suffer some kind of demonic oppression, there is a, there often is childhood trauma or adult trauma, some kind of traumatic experience can leave a wound which opens a door, um, which the, under that trauma could involve some kind of abuse, whether it's verbal, physical, sexual, um, habitual sin. And, and especially habitual mortal sin, or a period of life when one was totally detached from their faith or um, just fell into a lot of darkness or a lot of habitual sin. So sometimes even in someone who's come back and is converted, they may have, you know, been on the, they're on the way with the Lord, but they, they haven't fully been uh, released or, of a, a demonic influence in their life, even though they've confessed and they're living a sacramental life because there was such deep habitual sin. Then another open door, which is more common today than than in previous generations, which is the occult. So any direct connection or contact with the occult. I'm just going to name a few here, just for the sake, uh, maybe listeners might wonder. Um, some, you know, are obvious. You know, somebody who, who dabbled in, in satanic things, but but maybe maybe more common and and less direct with the. Uh, satanic would be, you know, those that have gone and got their cards read, or they got their palms read, or they went to a psychic, or they went to a medium. Even those that that practice in any deep way, yoga, um, those that have dabbled into Reiki, those have got into crystal healing, um, and and then on, let's say, those that um, have influence or connection with other cultures. Sometimes people go in and they're they're wanting to seek to have a multicultural or a cultural experience, and so they might go to a, a service uh, that might involve animistic practices, um, or let's say call what we call Santeria, Brujaria. In the Hispanic world, there's um, the the Santa Muerte, the, the 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 saint of death. There's also kinds of rituals of cleansings and baths, and um, anything of what we call the New Age. You know, I, you know, we, you could do a whole show just on that topic, what I just said there. So I won't go into the details of all that, but dabbling into the occult, but even more common for children these days. So there was, you know, people that have played the Ouija board. You might be like, oh, I only did it once. You know what? Sometimes right. once is enough for a demon to enter their life. Then the kids uh, about a few years back were getting into what's called Charlie Charlie, which was sort of like a, a version of, of the Ouija board, asking a question and getting a yes and no using a pencil, but there was a demon, <laughs> it's an actual demon, um, that they were, and it actually works, and I've had to deal with kids that got messed up with that, um, and versions of that. Little kids, sometimes they go in the bathroom, and they, just, they say, Bloody Mary three times, and they think, and there's actually, the, the interesting thing is the demons are legalists, and so when you open your will legally, and you give any entry, um, you 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 suffer the possibility of of influence in in your temptation. Not to say every kid's going to get possessed that does these little games. No, not not so. But there can be it can affect sometimes and, and exaggerate emotions and be temptations. Also today, unfortunately, in entertainment, um, within the production of of horror and the production you know of pornography, there's actually demonic pornography and demonic like like people that are into witchcraft that curse it so those that use it will kind of have like a demonic oppression by by mm. watching it and being used. uh same thing with horror there's you know there are makers of horror and even um programs that they're they're explicitly into witchcraft so that the people that wa- they want the people that watch it to have some kind of curse or be influenced or create a relationship with the demon so kids get into this stuff and some even um musicians that have made pacts with satan or in, into the Illuminati, you know, to get to gain influence, fame, fortune, their music, which kind of runs inside of people's heads. You know, think about millions of kids listening to hours of music that that where there's actually demonic influence. <laughs> so that 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 will actually affect. So yep. So those are some entry points through the eyes, through the ears, and the ones that I mentioned. 
Um, and then lastly, maybe just to add to that, um, any unconfessed mortal sin can be like a hook in which, which a, a demon can actually sort of, in a, in a sense, have influence with the person until it's revealed to the light and confessed. So those are some common entry points. Oh, well, I'm glad you brought up the, um, the, the element of some of the entertainment, some of the things that we absorb through media or other means. Um, we ended up getting an email from Monica. She's listening today and said her five-year-old son, he ends up really loving and hooking on to, latching on to a lot of things that she is really worried that is going to have evil influences on him. Uh, different violent characters, different um, things that he'll watch in videos, playing with other kids at school. And she said, you know, I, I'm worried, are there going to be these evil spirits that are attached to him through what he's seen, through different things that he's been doing with other playmates? And she asks what prayers would be the best to pray over him. She says, I prayed the spiritual warfare booklet over him. I bless him with holy water. But what else can I do? How can I protect him? I mean, that's a good question. And, and I know I know if there are others like Monica, I think parents should be concerned, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, you know, and I... And, and I don't want to be like a fear monger or, um, you know, have people be overly scrupulous and, and see in every single thing like a demonic attack. On the other hand, on the other hand, I am a believer that that there's been a in this demonic world and in the satanic world, there's been a, a, an absolute a concentrated plan to corrupt uh, humans at a younger and younger age. And I think it, I think the devil has been extraordinarily successful at that. On a, like on a generation on a wide scale. So, to come back specifically to Monica, um, you know, he, here's what I would say. I would say I would just be as vigilant as you can <laughs> about uh, allowing your. I'm presuming it's her son um, to only That's let right. in what is good, true. Yeah, what is uh, good, true, and beautiful. I talk often about this real simple principle about looking into the light. Don't look into the darkness. So even what might be um, any kind of secular entertainment. If you don't know the producer, if you don't know, if I wouldn't allow children to watch. You, you don't know what the person's about. Most people producing most entertainment today are not about sanctification. So, unfortunately, I mean, well, it's just the reality. So, in terms of what you allow the child to watch or the videos to take in, maybe like, oh, it's just a cartoon. Well, you know, um, why not? You know, I mean, my personal recommendation is just to allow children to see only that which is produced by Christian producers. <laughs> I mean, I think we've gotten to that point in cultural production that we just cannot trust, even if it seems neutral, a lot of what's out there. So whether it's whether it's changing his habits to watching just VeggieTales or, you know, things in that nature, or, you know, and when they're older, mid-teens, you know, instead of Netflix, go to PureFlix, you know, <laughs> um, and, and also be very vigilant of, of the music he listens to. Now, Dealing with, I've had a lot of situations with parents with children that are, have rebellious attitudes, and they're they're good Catholics, and they're trying their best. And I'm good that Monica's prayed those prayers. I can say parents um, have the authority over their children to pray. Probably, if you're using, like, for example, prayers for the laity, deliverance prayer for the lady by Father Chad Ripperger. That's a good book if you don't have it there, Monica. But um, um, you can say something as simple as this: Parents have authority over their children, and they, the same way I said that you have authority over yourself to, to do commanding prayers, you have that over your children. So you can say, you know, by the authority um, that I have as mother of my son, I command you, Satan, and you, spirit of rebelliousness, you, spirit of anger, you, spirit of violence, get out of him, and go back to the foot of the cross. Come, Holy Spirit, fill him, and 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 heal him. And Jesus, please come take over his life. So you can say the I command formula 
a, a person can say it over themselves. Parents can say it over their children up to the age of 18 of, of liberty is, is a safe, safe bet. Uh, married couples who are married in the, by the sacrament of marriage have bodily rights over each other, so they can say that over each other. Um, but I think, in, and also there, there are some children that are going to need special help, and they might need some counseling and a good Catholic or Christian therapist to, to work through emotional issues. So I, I don't know about her son, but, um, but you know, that, that can be helpful as well. Hmm. So, in talking about some of these different areas where Satan might be able to get a foothold in our lives in one way or another, you know, the last one that you brought up is the unconfessed mortal sin. I mean, with that one, mm-hmm. that's a very obvious, okay, let's get to confession. Get to confession as soon as you possibly can, and let's confess that. Let's, you know, get get that off of our spiritual, you know, scorecard, so to speak. Um, some of the other things that you're talking about, if we have dabbled in the occult, if we do have that habitual sin, if we've been a, a, a victim of trauma or abuse, you know, how, how do we then look at those areas? And I mean, this is a wide range of different things that you've brought up here. How can we kind of... Um, fortify ourselves, strengthen ourselves, so that we are less susceptible to those attacks from the demonic. Okay. Yeah, and, and then you're right, it is kind of wide. I was just kind of going through a, like, a little bit of a litany, and so it's really case by case. So it's, um, it, yeah, maybe it's worth saying that um, if someone had serious trauma in their past or has dealt with extraordinary loss or has like a huge emotional wound, right, Um it will be helpful in addition to getting spiritual direction, in addition to confessing and taking communion and living a vibrant spiritual life. Most often, somebody will also need to work through with a professional mental health counselor. Um, I, in my work doing this for years, I, you know, I'm very selective about which therapists I would allow. I mean, they, they have to share our values. Um, ideally, a Catholic and practicing who, who who's a believer, uh, sometimes people may not have access to that, but at least somebody's faith-based Christian or Catholic. I, I don't trust, and I, I've, you know, on a, a large scale, I don't trust secular therapists um, because of, you know, the experiences and the counsels they'll get. So I just want to say that at the outset that part of the fortification, and we, we'll get to that, but part of it is healing old wounds and healing wounds of the heart. And that's the process. I think it's important for me to emphasize here in, in this program. It's a process. Uh, you have many people... I, I, since I do the liberation ministry, I get calls from different places. People show up, you know, from from different places, and a lot of times they're wanting, like, okay, Father, come on, just like let's do the prayers. <laughs> I want, I got to get this thing out, and I just emphasize to everybody, this is a process, and it's probably worth mentioning here that every demonic affliction and every oppression that's permitted. Remember, they're permitted in God's permissive will, even possession, are permitted for the sanctification of the person the people in their circle, and even the priests and those that are working with them. Everybody it will be sanctified in the process. And some people, it's years of healing from past traumas and from, from, from great sufferings. I mean, deep, deep, deep sufferings. And part of it's the cross that they're going to carry aspect of that. What we want is that they carry the cross, but not 
also have to carry what is not meant for them to carry, which is some mm. kind of demonic affliction. And so I just, I, it's really important that people like lean into the process and know that God's going to be with them throughout the process. And if he doesn't heal them right away, or if it's not in one or two or three sessions where they get their, the, the, the lifting of a heaviness or the oppression, it's, it's permitted by God as long as their will is good. But often working through the process with, a, let's say, some, somebody who needs also or desires therapy, in addition to spiritual direction, we find that sometimes two, three, four, five, six months in, boom, there's a revelation. There's a memory that comes back that's never been dealt with. And and so that, that gets brought to the light, it gets confessed, or it gets dealt with, it gets grieved. And then there's like a lightness, and the person is, is whole again, and they're able to move on. And that's that's just, it's like the onion. You, know, you peel it, and then all of a sudden, it happens in all of our lives. But anybody who's serious about having union with Christ has to go through that process, which is, it's a purifying. It's, it hurts. There will be grief. You know, it's a fire, and, and it's purifying, but it's a process. And it's it's good to be trustworthy and confident in Christ in the process. If I can just add in one other thing, I know it might be a question but waiting here, but I should say, and it's important to mention that a lot of people also inherit things from their families. So when I do, <clears throat> when I work with people in liberation, I we we do what's called breaking of of generational curses. And and the word curse might sound oh does that mean there's a witch? No, not necessarily. It could be a bad pattern, you know, and it can be somebody in the in, in the generational history that did open the door to the occult. That does happen. You know, there's Freemasonry sometimes in grand, you know, some in, in previous generations that that actually when they when they enter into that at a higher level, they, and they incur curses on their future generations. So sometimes those have to be broken. That's just one example. But sometimes it's just it's just a pattern. There's been, you know, people in the family who've just really been de- into deep dark sin, and so the fruits of their of the the, ne- the rotten fruits of their behavior affects future generations. So sometimes there's a breaking of generational curses. There can be breaking of actual curses where people can be cursed, and I'm not even talking about witchcraft curse. I'm talking about like, a, you know, a parent who really has a anger at their child and they curse them. Now that, that can affect the child. So it's, it's mm. addressed, recognized, and broken. And secondly, I, uh, there's also something worth mentioning here. Because we live in a time where there, unfortunately, a lot of people have, have lived promiscuous lives or have, have, have really um, sinned in, in, in the lustful area in a deep way um, over, over a lifetime, there has to be sometimes what's called cutting of soul ties, and a soul tie is what can be created between two people who have sexual intimacy. And if it's never, and, and, and sometimes it has to be willfully cut in addition to confess. Confession obviously clears the, whole, the soul of the sin, but there can be, you know, like like a longing or like an obsession with somebody or bad memories of, or memories that haunt or, or like, like a not letting go emotionally of an ex-relationship. So I lead people in what's called cutting of soul ties as well. That's important for them to, mm. to want to just be free. Um, and then, yes, good. Well, and we're getting to a point where we're going to have to take a break here. So let's let's pick back up yep. on the other side of this, Father. Again, our spiritual director, Father Vincent Druding, priest in the Archdiocese of New York. As today, we're talking about spiritual warfare, and our phone number for the studio is 888-914-9149. And uh, I know we have many of you on hold. We're going to try and get to as many calls after the break here as soon as we can. And again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. More to come right after this on Relevant radio and the relevant radio app catholic order of foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line for information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans visit relevantradio.com slash forester
Josh Raymond, and glad to have you as part of the program today. And, uh, we're talking with our spiritual director, Father Vincent Druding, a priest in the Archdiocese of New York, the parochial vicar of Holy Cross Catholic Church in the Bronx, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, uh, let's go back to, in just a moment here, um, what we were talking about, you know, being able to fortify ourselves against those spiritual attacks. But I also want to get at least a couple phone calls on. Patricia's listening to us in Reno, Nevada. Hi, Patricia. Welcome to The Inner Life. Uh, Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, I had a question for the Father. How can I discern the voice of the Holy Spirit from the evil spirits, especially in the context of trying uh, to sacrificing for others, like helping others. I think I get caught that way. Okay, sure, Patricia. No, thanks. Uh, I, I think a couple things are important. Uh, when we're trying to discern sometimes what might be a, the, the voice, whether it's God's voice or our conscience, our voice or the spirit of the enemy, it is good to work with somebody who's, for example, a priest, and bring bring the concern to them, because often it is difficult to discern it, and it's nice to do that with somebody else who's listening in. Uh, but in just a general principle is um, bring it to the Lord, go before the Blessed Sacrament, and literally invoke the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you know, to come, take over. I surrender my faculties to you to speak to me. Um, and if, if it leads to uh, a trust and a peace and, and, and it's something that is good, true, and beautiful that you're being encouraged to do, you can have confidence in so it's of God. Uh, if, if, it, if it leads to a consternation, an agitation, uh, and a real discomfort or an accusation, um, you know, I would push it out. And you can just say, as finally, you just say, in Jesus' name, be gone, Satan. In the name of Jesus, I command any spirit that's not about to leave. Come, Holy Spirit. And then just listen with your heart, and then bring it to your priest. Patricia, thanks so much for the phone call. Uh, Father, let's go back to our conversation as far as trying to strengthen ourselves, fortify ourselves. And uh, we are a little short on time here, but just in a general sense, um, you know, prayer is obviously going to be central for being able to fortify ourselves. We have to look at those areas that, you know, where we have those weaknesses. Um, I guess another thing that comes to my mind is, you know, fasting is going to play a role in some of those spiritual battles. What, what other ways can we fortify ourselves against potential spiritual attacks? Good. Uh, well, you know, I, at sort of the top of the hour, I did mention sort of the basic context, the, the life of grace, frequent use of the sacraments, a uh, holy hour a day, you know, the rosary, um, chaplet, and then I had mentioned for some mortification. So I think putting all those things in place, but doing it kind of in an intentional way, especially, as you said, Lent is the time. Um, it is true. As as we fast, and then we shouldn't just fast, but, f- but also pray more when we fast, spend more time and intimacy with the Lord, especially before the Blessed Sacrament. But also, you know, one of the pillars of Lent is almsgiving or, or sacrifice. As we do that, we get actually the Holy Spirit enters in um, and desiring it. I think I think one of the big things, the fortification is hunger for God, desiring it. Don't just kind of go through the motions, but true desire. The Word of God is, a, is an absolute defense against spiritual attack. If you're under an like a strong temptation, literally repeating the Word of God from the heart, but also even verbally, is powerful. The name of Jesus itself 
has power against Satan. That's why I talked about the baptismal formula and using mm-hmm. it with conviction. So the, these are some of the things. But I think immersing yourself, submerging in Jesus, <laughs> praise and worship music, praising God is po- has power against the enemy. He flees from praise. Um, and so these are some of the tools that we can apply. Um, and But that direct shot that I taught at the beginning about fighting right back in the moment of temptation is important, using your baptismal formula. Any saints that you might recommend that, you know, people read about for kind of uh, additional education and encouragement when it comes to spiritual warfare? Padre Pio, uh, St. Padre Pio is one that comes to my mind. He does, you know, sure. I mean, there's probably St. Famously, you know, St. Padre Pio, St. John Vianney. Um, you know, I, I one exorcist told me when I, years ago when I first started getting into this ministry was, you know, when you go to fight the devil, don't go alone. You get smoked. Hide in the light yeah. of Our Lady. <laughs> so uh, our, our, our Lady yeah. is preeminent. Uh, of course, St. Joseph, Archangel Michael, St. Padre Pio, St. Um, you know, I, I think whatever saint follows you, you know, saints sometimes find us. So find the saint that follows sure. you. I mean, they, they all can be instructive, but uh, but those would be some that come to mind. Beautiful. Uh, Father Druding, we're down to about 20 seconds here. Can I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Heavenly Father, I praise you and we thank you. And Lord Jesus, I ask that your precious blood would cover every listener this, this moment to shield them from Satan and all the enemies of God and all the, 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 the demonic elements that seek to destroy. But instead, may your Holy Spirit come and fortify them and take possession of their hearts, minds, and souls so they can live and move and breathe and have their being in you. May Almighty God bless you with the intercession of the sorrowful and heart of Our Lady and St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Vincent Druding, thank you so much for being our spiritual director for the hour. And want to encourage you, if you didn't get to hear the whole hour, of course, go find the podcast. It'll be posted here shortly at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. And want to encourage you to stay tuned. Mass coming up next. Tomorrow we're going to talk about suffering, how we can face suffering with Christ. That'll be tomorrow here on The Inner Life.